0: You are listening to episode two of September's lineup, the value of higher education in building your career. In this episode, we're gonna be breaking down the cost of higher education with experts, David Vernon and Jennifer McGoy, specifically looking at barriers to higher education, as well as looking at the actual breakdown of the cost of college. We know students have a lot of questions and and have heard many myths. So we wanna give you some straight facts about how you can afford college. Higher education is expensive and I want to get into some of the nitty gritties. Um, I'm really grateful we have Jen on the call today because hopefully she can break down some some of this for us. Um, So we'll start broad and we'll get a little bit more specific. But generally speaking, um, I'm curious to hear from both of your perspectives. David, you run run a center, so you interact with students at that high level. Jen, you're you're often in the nitty-gritty talking to students one-on-one. I'm curious, what kind of barriers do you hear students most commonly talk about um, in terms of, of a, a, achieving a higher degree? Like what are some of those challenges? Obviously, money is going to come up in this conversation a lot. Um, but I'm curious if there are other things too that kind of stand as barriers to that that degree.
1: Yeah, so what what I see in my field, um, is definitely the financial barrier. So college, I mean, even though we're a, we're a state school, we're not a private private um, university, is still very expensive to a lot of people, um, and so they need that financial assistance to even make it possible. But the other barrier that I see, and I don't even know exactly what to coin the term to describe this, but. We see a lot of students um, in our office who, the reason that they don't persist is because education has not become a big priority. So, you know, life gets in the way is what I'm saying. Um, and then a lot of students are not familiar with, no matter, no matter what the school um, does or programs that they try, we're getting better and better and better. But a lot of students are uneducated about what resources are available to them to help them persist. So maybe they're struggling in a math class, and they don't even know that there's a a math and stats tutoring lab, or they don't know they can get help with at the writing center to help edit their papers, or they don't know that we have uh, free mental health counseling, or student health services, or you know, XYZ, supplemental instruction, all those kind of things. And so for me, it's financial. And then, um, and I don't know how to, how to address the, you know, making education a priority once you pay for it, but also the, the education of services. Um, So you're here um, academically, but then we have all of these programs and departments and that are ready and willing to help students um, with anything that they need or anything that comes in their way. Um, but a lot of times students are still unfamiliar. So it's kind of like the, the idea that the information, it doesn't sink in until you, you need the information. And then you're like, I remember something about this. They told me in my connections class, but I don't really remember what they said. And it's because it didn't apply to them at the time. And so that's what I see as the barrier is just when you run into a roadblock, knowing, you know, where to go for assistance. Um, and then, of course, the financial barrier. So um, which hopefully my office helps with and we can talk about it a little
0: further if you want to. Definitely. Yes. Yes. Super helpful, Jen. David, high level, just things that you're thinking about. What are some common barriers to, to accessing or to Jen's point, completing a higher education degree? You're on mute.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, in in the Wasatch region, um, we have a different uh, demographic of student than the the Logan main campus. Uh, and we don't provide an on-campus experience. We don't have our own football team or dorms down in Salt Lake. Um, and you know, the average age of our students is about 29. Um, you know, 70 percent of our students are female. The majority of them are. Uh, uh, part-time students, and seventy uh, percent of our students take at least one online class, um, and and so you know the makeup of our students is they're working, <laughs> many of them are married, um, and they're they're already established somewhere in in um, the Wasatch region living. And so they have a good part of their social life already there. And so if you're working, and you're running short on time, and your family is, uh, has needs, um, you know, and you're stressed. All that contributes to well. I'm just going to make it easy and not go to school because it's expensive, it's time consuming, and it requires effort, uh, and um, you know, is stressful and hard. And so, I think that right there, um, I guess, could we say that life is a barrier to (laughs) higher education? But but at the same, and and so I think, like, really, the big question that it raises, and I think with your previous question, Marissa is, is you know um, what's the relevance of higher education, um, in the future, you know, what, how relevant is it? Um, and I think, um, you know, which I think it is, but I think it's something that we need to keep examining. And, and so I, I think also, uh, when I was teaching, uh, at USU and coordinating a program for teachers, um, I saw how much, you know, the challenge of trying to get a student registered and, and get admitted to grad school. Um, and I'm just like, I want to make that as seamless as possible. <laughs> I want to make sure that they're able to focus on, because um, the program I was teaching was for, uh, they were actually teachers in the classroom and then taking classes, how to teach graduate level classes, how to teach at the same time. And I knew that their time was super packed. Um and i wanted to make sure they're spending time on their uh the classes that they were taking and the classes that they were teaching and so i think like that's one of the things that's really important um is we've got to make the the <laughs> the stuff that, that should be easy as easy as possible so i think that that's one one of the big messages there and um i think it's just you know, looking at all the various levels of um, barriers and then what can we do about it?
0: It's interesting. Both of you kind of brought up this theme of... making higher education a priority as a as a challenge and also an opportunity. And I think that's really interesting, you know, because whether you're 18 and this is the first time you've ever left home, you're going to have distractions and things that could easily pull you away um, different from. But but in a similar sense, similar to a student who is working full time and has a family, just different different competing priorities. So I think that's a really interesting uh, thread that you both kind of pulled out. I want to explore maybe even before students get to an institution and are, are enrolled. Jen, what are some of the common money questions and perhaps money myths that you get about college? I know one thing that I've heard time and time again is the the common misconception that the price tag of a university uh, tuition that you might see on the website is, is not actually what you will probably end up paying. Um, so maybe talk to us a little bit just about some of those money myths that you hear commonly from students, maybe before they start.
1: Yeah. So this, um, we go out with the admissions office and do recruiting trips, um, with our high school seniors, um, not only in the state of Utah, but in neighboring States as well. And we hear time and time again, like people don't realize, you know, what the cost of education is. Um, And so and then and then secondly, they think that, you know, federal financial aid is going to cover 100 percent, be able to cover 100 percent of the cost of their education. Um, So a lot of our education has to do with um, teaching people that it's a you know, you got to you got to pay for college from a lot of different buckets. So at the point they're high school seniors, it's probably a little bit too late to start. Saving for college—I guess they can save for a year, um, but from their own savings, from exploring scholarship opportunities, from you know maybe exploring if, if parents have a um, reimbursement for tuition for their dependents, um, federal financial aid—you know—so it can come from a lot of different sources. And then we, but to your point that you asked for, um, it's not just. And a lot of people just think about tuition and fees. They're not thinking about the total cost of education is what we call it in federal aid. Um, so you, you've got to, you know, educate people about, you know, housing, meal plans, supplies. You know, you're, you're still going to be a person that has to pay for medical expenses and transportation and, and all of those kind of things. And so it really is having those conversations with high school seniors and their parents. I see a lot of huge eyeballs because they're they're not familiar with how much it costs to be a student. And so we have to help educate them about what kind of investment they're making and what kind of return they're going to get on that investment. Um, But yeah, probably the largest um, or the biggest misconception that we have is that, you know, federal aid is going to be able to cover all of your costs and that you're not going to, basically, you're just going to apply for the FAFSA and not have to do anything else besides that in order to contribute to your education. Um, and so it's a tough conversation to have, um, but we do try to have that before we have students applying for Utah State. And of course, admissions um, tries to make it as afford- affordable as possible if the students eligible for scholarships. Um, but that's, usually what I see is a lot of people aren't prepared for what it costs to go to college. And then they're not considering the other expenses that they're going to have to incur in order to be a student. And for these four years, I mean, they're taking off four years of basically of employment, essentially. So usually they they most students, unlike David, David's students um, tend to, to work full time. But the students we see here at the main campus—they're usually working part time. They're freshmen. They're working minimum wage, but they're taking off essentially four to five years of work um, in order to invest in this in this education. So it's also that you know talking to them about that trade and what it's going to do for them in the end. So that's it's a hard conversation to have, um, but that's what we do here is we try to educate on. What that cost is and what kind of investment they're making and the return that they're going to get from that investment,
0: sure. And Jen, maybe one quick follow-up to that. Mm-hmm. So, if you were talking to the ideal high school student, when when should they start thinking about college and and especially kind of those funding methods, like when would you really encourage yeah. that?
1: So ideally, their parents are thinking about this at the moment they're born. So you know, so they're just invest- they're doing the the 529 plan. But, um, it, you know, for instance, with our gear up program that they do, um, they start to talk to students about these kind of issues in the ninth grade. So it's, you know, four years before they graduated from high school. Um, and at that time, that's when they're trying to educate students is starting at at the um, the freshman year of high school. So that they can you know, have those four years to prepare and start saving if they have it already. Um, but ideally, I wish I could go into every you know, Utah home that that thinks their student is going to possibly attend university and say, if you start it you know, when they're two years old, then you'll have a college savings fund when they when they're ready. Um, but of course that's not possible, but but we do go into the high school starting up in the ninth grade. Um, and start to try to talk about these things.
0: Super helpful. David, I'm curious from your perspective as a student who you've earned different types of higher ed degrees. Were were there any myths around, you know, earning a bachelor's or a master's? Any any money myths or or things that were confusing in that process for you? I know it's maybe been a minute, but.
2: (laughs) Yes, I am older. I uh, (laughs) do have gray hair. I don't know, um,
0: and if not, that's totally fine
2: no uh, i i like I can't think of anything I mean, I could talk about career related things, but not i don't you know like i I don't know if you know, but I think like when I was doing my degree, um well, do you want me to go into that or no?
0: Go for it, <laughs> okay.
2: So when I when I was at the University of Utah, earning my uh, degree, my double major in English and philosophy, a lot of people said, what are you going to do with that? Uh, You know, what are you going to do with philosophy and 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 all? And I'm like, for me, it was the most valuable degree that I earned. It it taught me so much uh, and has really shaped me. But, at the same time, I wish that I would have had a, a a career design specialist there, you know, help me prepare because I didn't even think about a career until after I graduated. Um, you know, I was working at the ski resorts in the winter. River guiding in the summer. Um, you know, it's fun for a little bit. but uh, what is that career? And I, I don't think I would have changed my majors but what I would have done is I would have been a little more, uh, strategic and forward thinking in what I wanted to do. And I was also, when I decided, well, I'm going to go into teaching, I was thinking I was just going to be a classroom teacher the rest of my life. Like I didn't have a big career aspirations or anything like that. I just wanted to be, I, I didn't expect them to ever make a movie out of me being a classroom teacher, but I just wanted to be a really good teacher that, um, you know, was involved in education and other opportunities came along. And it really would have been nice to have someone there helping me think of, well, what else might you do? Not that you need to do it, but what else might you do? And I think that that is one of the things where if we ask that question, what makes higher education relevant as someone who earned those degrees uh, in English and philosophy, I you know, that really deeply values those, I think that helping students think about what they might do with them, uh, you know, is really important.
0: And I, and I think that ties in really well to what Jen was talking about in terms of, you know, when she's out talking to these these families and potential students, being able to deliver kind of that, you know, not necessarily a specific career outcome to these families, but to be able to help them understand the value beyond, you know, yes, this is expensive, but also here, here's the potential return on investment. So I think that's a really good tie in there. Um, one final piece to kind of wrap up this section, I'm, I'm really curious. So Jen, you mentioned a few specific ways that students can Lighten the load in terms of of the finances, so scholarships, grants, uh, loans, maybe federal work study, FAFSA. I don't know. You don't have to go through each of those different pieces, but maybe talk a little bit about just some of those specific resources that you find really helpful for maybe a large number of students. And David, yeah. feel free to also add on to this.
1: Yeah, um, there's a there's a misconception that you know we hear this a lot as well. And I'm talking about misconceptions. Um, A student will always, you know, when they come into their, their, actually it's usually their parents when they're going out to these recruiting events, they'll say, oh, you're you're FAFSA? We don't qualify for FAFSA. And so that's a misconception. Um, Regardless of the family's income and household size, every student who is a US citizen or legal permanent resident is at minimum qualified for the federal student loans. Um, The other thing, that people misunderstand is that they're credit based. So like, well, this is a 18 year old, they're not gonna be approved for this loan. The federal student loans are not credit based, uh, federal direct student loans. So every student's eligible for those. And I think that's um, a valuable resource for students um, because they they can qualify for at least minimum of that to help them with their education. So it starts at 5,500 for the freshman year, up to 7,500 for the senior year, so you can see it doesn't cover all of the costs, but it can help supplement the other areas that they have. Um, as an undergraduate, students are always considered for the federal Pell grant. That's money that doesn't have to be paid back as long as they're passing the courses and making successful um, progress towards completing their degree. Um, our scholarships office is part of our student financial support. Um, a lot of students don't utilize um, their scholarship universe is the tool that they use um, or the platform that they use um, it's a very very uh, powerful platform where a student can create a profile and the more questions that they they have answer on this profile the more scholarships is going to um, notify them about so it's going to say oh you said you're you know a woman in engineering or you're an undergraduate, and you, and this is your background, and and all that kind of thing. So it tries to um, narrow it down. So students have an easier time if they fill out that that profile of identifying scholarship opportunities that they might be eligible for. Um, and some of the scholarships are so general it just automatically applies the student for the scholarship as long as they've completed the profile. Um, but then they don't have to spend hours and hours and hours and hours. Uh, Sifting through thousands and thousands of of scholarship to see oh I got down to question number ten and I don't qualify so I think that's a very very powerful resource the students underutilize is that scholarship universe site so they they, they use that site for the institutional scholarships opening up in December uh, so that's for anyone that's not just an incoming or transfer student so admissions will consider them as they come in but after that then this platform will consider them for the institutional scholarships as well as those private scholarships so i always tell students please please just try and, and connect with the scholarships office for sure um, and see if you can get some private scholarships to help you supplement um, the other resources that you have um, and then that federal work study program that we talked about is not something that can help every student They usually only have enough funding for about four to five hundred students per year, but it is a connection. Um, It's the reason I have the job that I did and the the path that I took. Give me a lot of uh, valuable experience and knowledge, Um, and so if students are interested in that, and a lot of the students don't know about it, just because it's such a small program, but it can connect them with a with an on campus um, part time employment if they need it, Um, and that's one federal aid source that um, doesn't directly pay for tuition. So they can use it for their ongoing expenses. And that's something that's helpful, I think, um, is to give students money as as they're going month by month um, instead of just giving them a lump sum. Um, the, other, the other misconception that we have as well is that I can only use my federal aid for my tuition and fees. So it's not gonna help me with anything else. Um, Whatever you accept, you can use for anything that's associated with cost for attendance. So the areas I talked about earlier. So room and board, supplies, books, a computer, you know, anything that you need to live and be a student, um, you can use your federal aid for. So if you have another source, so say you're a fully funded uh, scholarship student, you can use that federal aid to pay for your other expenses. So that's that's one thing that I that I wanna always um you know, promote and educate students on as well is that it, it's not just your mark for tuition and fees um, and that's what we're here for the scholarships office is here to help them with those any scholarship um, questions that they have and we're here to help them through that federal aid process um, which is available again to every student who's a u.s citizen or a legal permanent resident
0: so helpful, Jen and David over to you a little bit, you know, I'm thinking about statewide students and maybe some some unique opportunities there. I know uh, not every campus or center of Utah State works this way, but we have um, positions like facilitators. And so so there's some on campus jobs in in, in in to some extent. I'm also thinking about local or regional scholarships. Um, employees and half tuition. I don't, I I guess I'm just kind of throwing some things out there, but any of those resources that you would talk about further?
2: Well, actually, I want to ask uh, Jen a question um, (laughs) first. Uh, So Jen, I'm wondering, like, um, because I I was thinking back um, to that question of like, well, As you were describing, like someone filling out the application for Mm -hmm. scholarships, I mean, to me, that would just be like, there may be money out there, but the work invested Mm -hmm. in trying to put that in uh, to do that, it just is something that I just, (laughs) that is a big deterrent for, Mm -hmm. you know, me. Mm -hmm. And you know, and I, I you know, is is someone who's um, familiar with at least how scholarship universe works uh, for students. I see that as like one of those seamless uh, strategies to try wow. to help students. And and so I think that's one of the things that you know, for a student like that would be like me, it'd be like, okay, I do this once, and then it tells me what scholarships I qualify for okay, that's worth the investment, you know, because like you said, I'd get down to question number 10, or for me, it'd probably be question 50. And I'm like, okay, well, that was two hours of my life. I won't get back trying to get all this information and and all. So I I applaud you with that. But I guess, so here's my question. How much money do you think is left on the table that student, and and I'm not sure if there's an answer to this, but uh, how much money is left on the table uh, that students are eligible for, just in scholarships.
1: Yeah, I I don't know the exact number of it, but just based on the number of private scholarships that are still open, it's a lot, and that's why I always um, encourage students to reach out to those because there is a lot of unclaimed money, not unclaimed, but they just don't award it, you know, from these organizations and companies, and it's nationwide, but. But yeah, they they have private scholarships always available if you go out there on the site. The one thing that I do want to um, also mention is David was talking about Scholarship Universe. I mean, I remember when I started college, you kind of had to, you know, I mean, it was the start of the internet, but you basically had to know where to go. And it was like, I don't know where to go. And you had to do all of this searching on your own and students just could not figure out where to find these scholarships. And then they'd end up on a site that required them to pay. And then they'd get down and they're like, oh, I don't qualify for that. It just was just so cumbersome that I don't think. So it's getting better and better and better. Not that there's not improvements to be made, but yes. Um, I don't know the exact dollar amount. Um, I don't even know if our scholarships team would know the exact dollar amount, but based on the number of scholarships, the hundreds of scholarships that they have out there, it
2: has to be a lot. Yeah. Well, and and one of the reasons why I say this is because we started a, a scholarship. It started with a conversation with Marissa and then it morphed. We met with Craig White and and talked about this. And it was a way because we have a lot of exploratory students in, in the Wasatch wow. region. Uh, these are students who are either not sure what their major they're going to go into or they're trying to get um their gpa up or maybe they've switched majors a lot and you know and those are the students we have trouble retaining and so our idea was is to develop, develop a scholarship where we carve it out of our budget and we give students a thousand dollars to um meet with their uh, career coach meet with their uh, advisor and get more intensive mentoring and um, you know just really built around the successful behaviors of students because we feel like if they are doing those successful behaviors then and we incentivize them with uh, you know a thousand dollars each uh, semester that you know will they'll be supported in on their um, you know towards their ed- educational goals and get on uh, th- that path um and you know we we've tried hard try to get people we're doing $5000 you know five scholarships every uh, semester and it can go for two semesters so um and we haven't had more than four and this yeah. fall semester uh uh, we don't have any. And I'm just thinking about that. It's like, wow, this is a thousand dollars. It's like, because, you know, I did not, I did not want to have people spend all this time doing things that don't matter. Uh, you know, like writing an essay, it's like, well, do I devote that time to do it? You know, it's like, well, meet with a career coach, meet with your advisor, you know, uh, take two classes next semester. Uh, you know, just these basic things and, you know, and so I'm trying to, you know, there's money left on the table, uh, that is available for students. Um, and I guess, Marissa, go ahead. I I was going
0: to say, it sounds like we, we could probably have a whole, whole conversation about this, but, but I think it brings up a really good point around, um, students doing their best to connect with resources. And as an institution, you know, hopefully you know, universities are trying to get that word out. That's always kind of the challenge of how do we spread awareness of what exists, but also um, students have to be proactive in, in, in reaching out to some of those resources. But I think it's a really good reminder that there are ways to make ends meet. And oftentimes um, money is a huge barrier for a lot of students. And so keeping in mind, there are offices on campus. And in fact, I'll link these offices that we're talking about um, in the episode bio so folks can go back and refer to. Some of these great resources. Um, but I think that's a really, a really great point to bring up and and consider as students are consin- considering the financial um, um cost of, of higher education. So I really appreciate those thoughts. We hope you loved this episode of the USU Career Stadio podcast. If you haven't already make sure to subscribe and share this episode with your friends and family.